Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Tuesday, more specifically, happy Giving Tuesday. It's Tuesday, November 28, 2023. Always great to be with you here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And, you know, being that this is Giving Tuesday, I'm sure... As most of us have seen already, when you woke up this morning and went to check your email, your inbox was flooded, flooded with requests for donations. So here's something to think about. At Ave Maria Radio this week, we're doing an end-of-the-year campaign, and many radio stations, Catholic affiliates across the country of EWTN are doing the same. And so if you're thinking and praying about to whom should I donate, gosh, what organization? There's so many really good pro-family, pro-life, Catholic organizations. What do I do? Well, here's an idea. I always say, and you've heard me say this more than once, to give to your local Catholic radio station and EWTM because we work together to provide great programming, Catholic programming 24-7. But think about, in addition to that, which is huge, obviously, think about all the ministries, Catholic radio and Catholic TV through EWTN and all the network's affiliates help out over the years in all of our different programs. For example, think about the coverage that EWTM provides each year for the March for Life in D.C. And think about all the interviews that I've done and all the interviews and all the people that are given airtime, whether it be in studio or whether it be on the street. Just that day alone for the March for Life where we feature so many amazing, amazingly dedicated pro-life warriors and their ministries that are out there on the front lines doing the grassroots efforts. How many groups that we're representing and giving free publicity. Or if we're doing something, let's say, on a new religious order, or let's say on a national fundraiser for another type of event going on, whether it's for a charity dealing with the poor or Mother Teresa's uh, you know, sisters, think about all the organizations that we cover. And I'm sure you can look at your own Catholic radio affiliate in your area and realize the same thing. Maybe you're a beneficiary of that free publicity. Now, this is not a quid pro quo thing. We're not saying, oh, you know, you have to support us to get on the air. But it's just something to think about. I was just talking about this in the first hour, the regional hour of Catholic Connection, because it is difficult because there's so many great organizations out there and you can't give to everybody. But I hope that you will prayerfully consider, again, and Father Mitch still says it, Mother Angelica said it all the time, to keep us between your gas and electric bills. But this Giving Tuesday, it would be very effective because you can cover a variety of other charitable organizations, especially pro-life and pro-family organizations, by giving to your local Catholic radio affiliate and EWTN. So anyway, just a little thought on this Giving Tuesday, 2023. So what's coming up in addition to, of course, the news and the weather? Well, the very wonderful Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris from the Ruth Institute will be joining us She's going to take a look at what's been happening around the country with efforts, not only the country, by the way, but she's put out a new update regarding efforts to ban what the left calls conversion therapy, to ban it all over the world. Now, this means that even people who are struggling with, let's say, same-sex attraction or maybe some sort of a, a gender issue, and they, they seek help, they're the ones 
going for help. There's even efforts to ban that. But supposedly it's all about freedom. Mm Mm-hmm. So she'll join us at 9.15 Eastern Time. And then Michael Vaca, he's a director of ministry, bioethics, and membership experience for the wonderful folks at the Christ Medicus Foundation. Are you familiar with the Uniform Law Commission? Well, the Uniform Law Commission, also known as the National Conference of Commissioners on Uniform State Laws, was established in 1892 and is supposed to provide states with nonpartisan well-conceived, and this is right from their website that I'm reading, and well-drafted legislation that brings clarity and stability to critical areas of state law. However, Michael is going to talk to us this morning about some concerns with the Uniform Law Commission, and they're almost, he says, redefining death and expanding euthanasia. So, so much for nonpartisanship, but we'll talk about that with Michael Vaca. That's coming up on your Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection. It's pretty chilly out there, especially in the Great Lakes area, along Lake Erie and along Lake Michigan as well. So we have heavy lake effect snow, according to the National Weather Service, continuing downwind of the Great Lakes, resulting in difficult travel. Meanwhile, colder air sliding southward, even toward the southeast portions of the country where freeze warnings are in effect, Air stagnation concerns linger for the interior Pacific Northwest and a low pressure area developing near Hawaii could bring heavy rainfall and flooding, some flooding problems there, and that could happen midweek. Right now, it's six minutes past the hour. Hope you're having a great Giving Tuesday, and don't forget to give to your favorite charity. Let's take a look at the news and see what's happening in and around the world on your Tuesday morning, November 28th. Reporter Richard Engel tells us a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is continuing today. As part of a two-day extension, he has the latest from Tel Aviv. We are expected to see Hamas release 10 at least more hostages today. In exchange for that, uh, Israel is due to release uh, around 30 Palestinian prisoners. Most of those Palestinian prisoners are expected to be women and minors. The extra 48 hours was added to the ceasefire after an initial four-day truce. Hamas may release an additional 10 hostages tomorrow. However, a deal for a lasting pause at this time is seen as unlikely by both sides. And again, as you just heard, the ceasefire continues. And this is a family of one of the recently released hostages. Four-year-old Abigail Eden says they remain hopeful that everyone held by the Palestinian terrorist group will ultimately be freed. You know, as long as there are people in Hamas captivity, young women who shouldn't be there for another moment, grandparents, fathers, sons, daughters, it's, our work is not done. That was Abigail's cousin, Noah Naftali. The extra 48 hours was added after an initial four-day truce, as you heard. As a result, Hamas is expected again to release at least 10 more hostages. Israel is then due to release around 30 Palestinian detainees in exchange, mostly women and minors from Israeli jails. Hamas may release an additional 10 hostages again tomorrow. And the custos of the Holy Land, Father Francesco Piton, reiterating the need for a long-term political solution to the decades-long Israeli-Palestinian conflict that recognizes the right to the existence of both peoples. As Lisa Zangrini with Vatican News reports, Baton is calling, it says it's an encouraging sign because it means that negotiations are possible. 
In the interview, Father Patton expressed his hope that the truce may continue to hold and that all the hostages held by Hamas may be released, underscoring the important role played by the international community, especially of the countries that mediated the agreement. He noted that the truce shows that a path other than that of weapons is possible if the will is there. The Custis went on to note that in the dramatic context of the war, the humanitarian aspect is essential. Without the comforting humanitarian voice, he said, we cannot move forward because everything is reduced to political calculation and the use of violence. Several women in New York, meanwhile, facing, as Scott Pringle tells us, hate crime charges for ripping down posters of hostages and going after a woman who tried stopping them in Manhattan. Police say the two women ripped a Star of David necklace off another woman and damaged her cell phone. This is after she yelled at them for taking down posters of hostages being held by Hamas. This was by 82nd Street and Riverside Drive on the Upper West Side earlier this month. Mewish Omer turned herself into police on Monday and Stephanie Gonzalez was arrested last week. There's been a number of similar incidents in New York City since the October Hamas attack on Israel. In other news this morning, Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney condemning the vandalism of a pro-life organization's headquarters in Rome, perpetrated during a protest to mark the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. As Catholic News Agency reports, demonstrators throwing smoke bombs, smashed windows, and spray-painted pro-abortion graffiti on the Pro Vita and Familia Association's main office in Rome over the weekend, despite the presence of Italian police at the protest. The vandalism occurring, as CNA reports, as thousands took to the streets in Italy's capital for a march protesting violence against women. In a post on social media yesterday, the prime minister said how anyone could think of fighting violence against women by engaging in such intolerable acts of violence and intimidation. Should violence always be condemned only when it's directed at someone whose ideas we share? The Italian prime minister wrote. She said a vandalized headquarters is always unacceptable, especially... She added, if you ravage it in the name of women who have been raped, beaten, or killed. The organization said the attempted attack on its headquarters literally demonstrated the hypocrisy of the feminist and trans-feminist movements that have exploited recent news events to carry out an intimidating action against our nonprofit organization. They added this violence is even more unjustified given the activities of their organization, the protection of life from conception to natural death, the promotion of family, and the protection of education freedoms of parents. A growing number of polls showing that President Joe Biden has a big problem earning the support of black voters in next year's election. Republicans say there's a good reason why. I think inflation, you know, kitchen table issues tend to be the ones that motivate people the most. That's Senator John Cornyn of Texas, who says that Democrats in general are turned off by Biden's age. He just turned 81. A New York Times poll this month found that Donald Trump is seeing more support from black voters in battleground states, including Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Mark Mayfield tells us, as you heard in the weather forecast, about 100 million people on the East Coast and other parts of the country set to face freezing temperatures as a cold front hits the region tonight into tomorrow. The National Weather Service says high temperatures are expected to be as much as 20 degrees below average in parts of the Midwest, Great Lakes and Ohio Valley, as well as areas of the East Coast. Parts of Texas and Florida are expected to be colder as well. Freezing temperatures in the 20s are expected in New York City, with Washington, D.C. and Atlanta getting below freezing temps for the first time all year. 
Former President Jimmy Carter planning to attend the memorial service for his wife today, despite being in hospice care. Services for former First Lady Rosalind Carter began yesterday as a wreath-laying ceremony at Carter's alma mater, Georgia Southwestern State University, honored her work advocating for unpaid caregivers. Carter passed away at the age of 96 earlier this month. One of the largest pizza delivery restaurant chains in the country is paying $175,000 to a former employee to settle a discrimination lawsuit. U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission says Michael Barnes applied for a job at Papa John's Pizza in Athens, Georgia. He's legally blind and relies on a service dog to help him get around. The agency says the company would not let Barnes bring his service animal to work, and the company fired him before he even was able to work a single shift. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission says Papa John's also agreed to train its employees on the Americans with Disabilities Act and review its policies as well. Aaron Rial tells us holiday spending is up, but with it, consumers have far less interest in signing up for store-branded credit cards. Private label credit cards can carry interest rates of 30% and up. They've been very lucrative for retailers, but not great for borrowers. Store cards tend to charge higher interest rates because they're less selective when it comes to credit quality. However, interest in these cards is waning as Americans carry fewer credit cards and increasingly finance purchases with buy now, pay later apps, just an updated version of layaway. The average interest rate for a retail credit card is 28.9% compared with 21.1% on all credit cards. For decades, folks who wanted to cut their holiday tree from inside one of the national forests needed to go to their local forest service ranger station or other participating vendors to get a permit. But now, a U.S. Forest Service spokeswoman, Janelle Smith, says you can actually go online to recreation.gov. This is a reservation service that the Forest Service uses already. And so it was kind of no-brainer that we have this trusted system. And so now our program, the Recreation.gov, is able to support the Forest Service for all of those forests throughout the country who choose to use it. But it's not just a free-for-all. Smith says permit holders are allowed to cut Christmas trees in certain cutting areas where taking down a tree will benefit the forest. She says all of that information and more is available at your local Forest Service office and online when you get your permit. Rory O'Neill tells us that TSA set an all-time record for screening air travelers over this past weekend. Sunday's record-breaking crowds at airports ended a busy travel period for the TSA that started back on November 17th. The agency says it screened more than 2.9 million passengers just on Sunday. In days leading up to Thanksgiving, about 2.6 million was screened per day on average. The strong demand for travel continues post-pandemic and could mean long lines at airport security checkpoints throughout the holiday season. Merriam-Webster's 2023 Word of the Year authentic. The online dictionary said this year saw a substantial increase in searches for the word. It attributes that to more stories and conversations about artificial intelligence, celebrity culture, identity, and social media. The announcement on Merriam-Webster's website says authentic has several meanings, including not false or imitation, and true to one's own personality, spirit, or character. And Sports Illustrated, meanwhile, says, as Michael Kastner tells us, it has deleted several articles from its website after publishing them under fake names and author headshots created with AI. The existence of the articles was revealed in a report from Futurism, which couldn't find any evidence of the author's existence and found the headshots for sale on digital marketplaces. Spokesperson for the Arena Group, which operates Sports Illustrated, says the deleted articles were product reviews created by a third-party company and that they have ended that partnership. 
And as we mentioned at the top of the hour today, November 28th is Giving Tuesday, a great day to consider helping out, whether in the form of donation, volunteer work, or just lending a hand to someone in need. Giving USA's latest report shows charitable giving is down 10% this year, falling to the lowest level in three decades. It is a Tuesday, November 28th. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network. Find us online, EWTN.com. Just a reminder for the weather, as we mentioned, heavy lake snow continuing downwind in the Great Lakes area, resulting in some difficult travel conditions and colder air, as you heard in the news, sliding southward and southeast and also portions of the east where freezing warnings are in effect. So keep that in mind if you're in one of those affected areas. We're not even in winter yet. Winter isn't until, what, December 21st, and we're already feeling the effects of winter. Alrighty then, 16 minutes past the hour. Hope you're having a great day. We'll be right back. We're going to be talking about how an organization that's supposed to be nonpartisan, well, not so much when it comes to state laws and the culture of death. We're also going to be checking in with Dr. Jennifer Robeck Morris, who's going to be talking about a very scary thing that's been happening. Started gradually. Now it's moving to not only across the country, but around the world. Uh, this so-called conversion therapy where the left accuses those who are concerned about people who are struggling with issues such as same-sex attraction, that they want to ban it, not only in the U.S., but all over the world, and even concerning people who are interested in getting help and seeking counseling. Nope, shouldn't be allowed. We'll get Dr. Jen's take when we come back. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to EWTN. Stay tuned. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
Thanks for tuning in to EWTN on a Tuesday, November 28th. Always great to see what Dr. Jennifer Robeck Morris is up to. She is such a culture warrior out there on the front lines and has been for years. She's the founder and president of the Ruth Institute. Okay, so Jen, this is, is getting, I mean, more frightening by the day. You have what the left calls, oh, conversion therapy, or trying to pressure people not to be this, that, or the other thing. And yet there are so many people that are really seeking counseling and trying to get help to understand what's going on in their lives. And there are those who want to even ban those who on their own are seeking advice or help or, or therapy. What are you seeing? Because I know you have a big event coming up on December 12th with some new research in this area. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. Yes, uh, the, the, the whole idea of banning conversion therapy, okay, is something that the, the gay lobby is very committed to, and really the whole sexual revolution is, is very committed to. Um, their, their position is that people are born gay, no one can change, and the attempt to change is harmful, intrinsically harmful. Um, and every one of those statements is, is factually incorrect. Um, you know, the evidence that people are born gay is very weak, in fact, non-existent, you know. Um, it, even the understanding of what it means to be gay is not com- completely clear. You know, people adopt a gay identity for a variety of reasons, and for a lo- uh, uh, there are numerous pathways into that, um, and numerous pathways out of it, as far as we can tell. You know, people, people change their sexual orientation, it happens all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of evidence of it. And so what the revolutionaries are calling conversion therapy is really any talk therapy that is where a person wants to deal with unwanted same-sex attraction, including the, the, the way that they're living now, possibly trauma that led up to it or is related to it in some way. Um, the, the, the bans the legislative bans on therapy are written so broadly that it would be it would be risky for a counselor to say, "Let's talk about this uh, traumatic thing that happened to you that may be related to your feelings now." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a lot of evidence that there's a disproportionate number of of people who have, who have a same sex identity. Um, gay or lesbian identity, there's a lot of evidence that there's a disproportionate number of them have experienced some kind of sexual trauma, you know? And so if you, if you have this blanket ban on what is being called conversion therapy, that means that stuff is not going to be, the therapists are going to be spooked and scared to even talk about that kind of stuff. So it's a very dark business here. And unfortunately, the bandwagon of banning so-called conversion therapy that bandwagon has picked up a lot of steam, and it's it's going to cause a lot of people a lot of pain. So you're having an event coming up in early December to to raise awareness on this and some recent research that's been done in this area, correct? Yes, that's right. Our senior research fellow here at um, at the Ruth Institute, Father Paul Sollins, um, has become a worldwide leader in this research in this area. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a study produced that purported to show that people who have uh, gone through conversion therapy, broadly defined, um, people who have gone through conversion therapy are more likely to commit suicide and, or, or have suicide attempts. That's the, the, correct, the correct way to put it. And Father Solomon looked at that and kind of scratched his head and said, you know, wait a minute, let's look a little more closely here. Um, because it turned out, when you looked at it closely, if you took account of the fact that some people 
had therapy be- before their suicide attempts, and some people had therapy after their suicide attempts. You want to sort that out and say one thing's causing the other. You need to know what happened first, you know. Um, and, and so what he, what he found is that people who seek therapy are, by and large, more troubled to begin with, and we're more likely to have suicide attempts and suicidal thoughts and so on. That's why they went to therapy in the first place, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then after therapy, if you look at those indicators of distress after therapy, they're actually reduced, you know? So the, the, uh, the result that he found is exactly the opposite right. of the result that has been trumpeted around the world um, and has be- become the basis, one of the key bases for, for banning talk therapy, even talk therapy chosen by the client, directed by the client, the client's own desires, right? Um, they're banning therapy on the basis of studies that are, that are this week. And so we're, we're going to have a press conference um, where Father Solomon's going to take, um, you know, 10 or 15 minutes explaining his results, why they're important, and then open the floor to questions. And so, yeah, we sent you a note about that press conference coming up, and, and you're giving me the opportunity to talk about it now publicly. So I, I well, yeah, because we want a lot of people to sign on. I mean, that's this is important exactly. stuff. Yeah, so it's December 12th, exactly. right? That's right. December 12th, it'll be noon Eastern time. And people can just drop us a note um, at the Ruth Institute if you'd like to be, you know, if you'd like to Zoom in. It's going to be a Zoom press conference. You don't have to travel to Lake Charles or something, you know. Um, this is the 21st century, after all. You can Zoom in from anywhere. And so if it's something that you'd be interested in doing, by all means, drop us a line, you know, at info at ruthinstitute.org, and we'll make sure you have the Zoom link and all of that. Now, for whom do you think this would be important? I would think all of us, we need to be aware of what's going on in this research and so we can talk to other people about these issues which come up all the time. But also I think especially parents need to know, yes. need to hear this. Yes, parents, grandparents, and clergy. Oh, criminy. The, the pressure that the clergy are going to be under, they're already under a lot of pressure. Because see, see what the bad guys are trying to do, and I am just going to call them bad guys because you know not every not every gay person signs on to this whole agenda. That okay, Jen, hang on. We're going into the break. I'm going to just remind ah. people we're listening to Dr. Jennifer Robeck Morse, founder and president of the Ruth Institute, RuthInstitute.org. Important press conference coming up on December 12th. Hearing about it here first to find out more information, RuthInstitute.org. We'll let her finish that thought, and I have many other questions coming up after the break. And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who are suffering with Parkinson's disease. Lord Jesus Christ, consolation of the afflicted, you are our refuge. We pray for those who are suffering the effects of Parkinson's disease. As they lose their physical strength and abilities, increase their spiritual strength and abilities. Renew their inner spirit day after day and through their share in your sufferings, give the grace of conversion to sinners. and their weakness, reveal your strength. Give peace and joy to those who care for them. Amen. What is God's first gift to the church? The Catholic Catechism proclaims God is love and love is his first gift containing all others. The Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, pours God's love into us. 
The first effect of love is the forgiveness of sin. The communion of the Holy Spirit in the church restores the divine likeness that was lost through sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the first fruits of our inheritance, the very life of the Holy Trinity. That fruit is to love, says the Catechism, as God has loved us. The evidence or fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The more we renounce ourselves, the more we live by the Spirit. The mission of Christ and the Holy Spirit is brought to completion in the church. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Jot this down, RuthInstitute.org, a press conference online, noon Eastern Time, December 12th, new research regarding conversion therapy, so-called conversion therapy, and the effort by many on the left, as Jen was saying before the break, the bad guys who are pushing the idea that people who actually get help or seek help are actually more suicidal. It's just the opposite. And Jen and I were talking during the break about the whole situation with those who are who succumb to pressure to quote-unquote transition, which we know can't be done, but they, they try to become the opposite sex, and then they're miserable, and they attempt suicide after the fact, not before. And you see more and more people, Jen, detransitioning and coming out, and yet the left, the culture, the media are ignoring their very, very frightening stories. That's another aspect of the whole thing, and the the idea that somebody can be born in the wrong body, you know, that that's physical nonsense, it's metaphysical nonsense, it's just nonsense, right? But it's built on the born-that-way myth about a same-sex attraction, right? That people are born gay, um, there's nothing you can do about it, the best thing to do is to accept your true identity and so on, So and, and trying to change it is you're going to be untrue to yourself, and, you know, and so the people who leave a gay identity, um, those people have to be dismissed. Those people have to be shunned. They have to be set aside. They take a lot of grief, Teresa, I'm telling you. And so over at the Ruth Institute, I've been interviewing people who have uh, left, uh, journeyed away from an LGBT identity, you know. Um, I'm, I'm interviewing activists on their side. I'm interviewing therapists on their side. So if you go to our YouTube channel, you'll find this type of stuff. Um, and, it's, and it's comparable, exactly as you said, that their stories are dismissed. And so, you know, I interviewed somebody who, a woman who, who married, who was a lesbian for a number of years. It was based on self-hatred, you know, and hatred of her body and this kind of stuff. She's been married to a man since, I want to say, 2005, happily married to a man since 2005. But she doesn't count. Somehow she doesn't count. Either she wasn't really gay in the first place, or surely she'll slip up and, and revert to her true self. You know, it's just kind of skating away from the evidence. Um, and, and there's just too much evidence. So um, it, it's really important for, pe- for people who are struggling in this area. I really invite them to go to our YouTube channel, look for that playlist, and you'll see that, that it's possible to choose a different path. There are all kinds of paths. You've got all kinds of choices. You know, it's not like an on-off switch. You're either gay or you're not gay. You know, that's not, that, that doesn't do justice to the whole complex of, um, of, of a person's identity. 
Well, I think, too, just understanding our identity and finding out who we are, made in the image and likeness of God. You do such a, a great job of explaining that. So many people haven't even heard that because they've had a, a past trauma or they haven't been told right. that they're a child of God. And, and again, with this whole situation, for example, let's look at the culture. How come the media don't talk about if they're promoting, and they are, and I know this because I've done yep. the research on the media aspect of it, they promote the fact that you know people can't change this, that, or the other thing, or they have to change, they have to transition. And yet you see someone like the late actress, Anne Hesh, who was with uh, Ellen DeGeneres for a long time, remember? And then she left, they broke up, and she became a married woman, and she had children. And the media never yeah. picked up on that. Nobody said anything about that. Right, right, right. And it, it, it doesn't count. It's like it all fades away. I, I know what I wanted to say before the break. You were asking who should be interested in this, who right. should be paying attention to it. Counselors and clergy. The clergy, that was an issue, yes. Please, please, please come, you know, come take a look at what we're doing. Look at Father Sullivan's research. And also, I just put out a report a couple months ago. We put out a report called Refuting the Top Five Gay Myths. And some of Father Sullivan's stuff is in there, but but that that report, it's about a 30-page report, but it just goes through. Uh, are people really born gay? <laughs> Can people change? It, it, will it hurt you if you try? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, and why is it that people are distressed? You know, this is another, this is another really important point that, that everyone who studies this area agrees that sexual minorities, that is people who are not fully describe themselves fully and unambiguously as heterosexual, right? Anybody other than that, whether they're bi or trans or whatever, they all have it. They, they statistically have a much higher likelihood of psychological distress of various kinds, whether it's anxiety disorders and depression and, as well as suicidal stuff. The only disagreement, Teresa, is why. Why do they have all that distress? Mm-hmm. And the media and the activists want to say it's because of minority stress, because of discrimination. That's the whole explanation. Well, that might be a partial explanation, but there's no way it explains everything. And yeah, but in terms of discrimination, I think the people that are discriminated are, are, are people like you and me and, and other uh, people of yeah, faith who are right. out there right. trying to get the truth out there, not condemning anyone or judging anyone, but trying to get the truth out there, the research and the evidence, and, and explain to people who they are, made in the image and likeness of God. And in the culture, they're celebrated. They're embraced. And not only that, yeah, but, but, but not only that, you would think that with the decline in discrimination and the raising of the status of sexual minorities, you would think that that would bring about some improvement in their psychological well-being. And that is, turns out to be not the case, okay? That turns out not to be true, not even close to true. So I really, oh, I just plead with the clergy to come and look at our stuff. We'll send you this report. You sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already, and we'll email you this report, right, you know, instantly. Um, so you can at least look at that. And then turn up for our press conference in December. It, 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 this is going to give you the confidence you need to talk to people. And I'm telling you, clergy, counselors, you need to be talking like this now while you still can. It mm-hmm. is not going to get any easier. Right. In Victoria, in Victoria, Australia, the, the, like a, basically a state in Australia, they have banned prayer that is directed towards changing same-sex attraction. They got a whole list of things on their little frequently asked questions about their new law that they have about what you're allowed to pray for or not pray for. Okay? So people... How is that possible to stop someone when praying in their head? Do you know know what it is? Is they're setting people up 
to sue them or prosecute them under this yeah. law. That's Just like that woman in, in England, right, who was, who was yep. praying out in her head, praying in yeah. her head outside the abortion mill, yep. and she gets arrested. Exactly. She won her case, by the way, but, but she had to go to court and go through all kinds of but crazy Carmen, things. We don't want yeah. it to come to that. We do right. not want it to come to that, you know? So I'm just, I'm just begging. And, and listen, y'all, listening to Teresa, you know, if, you're, if your pastor uh, is even remotely sympathetic to what I'm saying, please boost him. Please build him up. Please send him these resources, you know? Uh, the, the clergy are under a lot of fire, too. They're under a lot of pressure. And and please let them know that, factually, we have their backs. All this right. stuff about modern science demands the church change your teaching, that is a bunch of baloney. Mm-hmm. The most modern science is consistent with the church's ancient teachings. Yes, period. because Full it's stop. a natural law, and it all works together. I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's, just it, it's like... <sighs> Don't say I told you so, but I told you so. Sometimes I can just see the Lord up there watching all this, you know. But, but He would never say that because He's a merciful God. But that—that's me talking. Jen, always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for offering this opportunity for really good, solid, factual information. So this is coming up on December twelfth through the Ruth Institute, noon Eastern time. There will be a press conference, and it's Zoom. You don't have to worry about, as Jen said, traveling down to to Louisiana. You can just go online and check it out as a parent, as someone who works in counseling, maybe in education grandparent and especially clergy so they have the information at hand to help those in need dr jennifer robeck morris always great to speak with you the ruth institute again can be found at ruthinstitute.org we'll put the link there as well as a date for the press conference scheduled for december 12th of this year we'll be right back on a tuesday it's november 28th stay tuned The binary choice between life and death is the engine that drives the entire story of human history. It's there in the garden where Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. It's there in the days of Cain and Abel when they have to choose between right and wrong worship. It's there with Joshua in chapter 24 where he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And the binary choice is there with King David when Bathsheba catches his eye. It's there in Proverbs 14:12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And it's there in Jesus' teaching. Will you build on the rock or will you build on sand? And when we talk about imitating Christ, we mean that we want to be like Jesus, who always makes the right choice, choosing God above created things. He chooses life, and for those who follow him, he promises abundant life, even eternal life. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church we speak of seven gifts. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come... They give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic.
nine minutes past the hour. Appreciate your listenership to EWTN's Global Catholic Radio Network and appreciate the support of all our affiliates around the country. Well over 400 of them now. Thanks be to God. On the phone with us is Michael Vaca. He is the Director of Ministry, Bioethics and Membership Experience. And he's a certified spiritual director and also a Catholic bioethicist. The Christ Medicus Foundation, a wonderful organization that is right on the front lines there standing up for life and the Catholic faith. So we're going to talk today about the Uniform Law Commission. So if you're not familiar, as I said at the top of the hour, according to their website, the Uniform Law Commission, also known as the National Conference of Commissioners on Uniform State Laws, was established all the way back in 1892, providing states with nonpartisan, well-conceived, according to them, and their website, well-drafted legislation that brings clarity and stability to critical areas of state statutory law. Now, Michael, what you're saying is you're seeing not so much a nonpartisan anymore and very concerned about the Uniform Law Commission, as you say in your email to me, almost redefining death and expanding euthanasia. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. What are you seeing that's so concerning? Thank you so much, Teresa. Uh, So what's important for people to understand is that, you know, objectively we know the Church teaches that, you know, death is the separation of the soul from the body. You know, the problem, of course, is that you can't see that. And so traditionally, uh, everybody knows what, what the signs of death are, right? Your, your heart stops beating, you stop breathing, uh, your body changes color, um, what rigor mortis, it stiffens. You know, we know what a corpse looks like. Um, beginning in the 1960s, uh, a group of physicians at Harvard began to propose new criteria for determining death. And the basis of that criteria uh, was different than it had ever been historically. And that new criteria, or the neurological criteria, has developed over time. And it's now gotten to the point where this Uniform Law Commission, which is essentially a group of attorneys that are appointed by states to draft model legislation that's often adopted by states, um, they now were very close to even loosening the definition of death to the point where somebody who is comatose uh, could be declared uh, dead. And what that would effectively do is uh, make it easier to kill people or to declare them dead. Um, And that is really concerning because we have to understand that, you know, human life is a continuum from conception till natural death. And what we need is coherence in unity in the definition of death, not uh, continuing to loosen the criteria to make it easier to declare people dead. So what's the, what about their supposed, supposedly non-partisan, uh, non-partisan approach? What happened to that? Yeah, so, you know, the, 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 the way it's marketed on their website, I think, is really deceiving. And I just want to uh, give people just an example of what I mean here. So shortly after... Uh, this proposal to loosen the criteria of death was defeated. The American Academy of Neurology updated their guidelines. And in the intro to this document, this document's called Pediatric and Adult Brain Death or Death by Neurological Criteria Consensus Guideline. And this is what they say. I just want to read this, this one sentence because I think this really says a lot. This is what the the, the committee says. Because of the lack of high-quality evidence on the subject, 
a novel evidence-informed formal consent process was used. So what they're telling everybody there, Teresa, is that they don't have the scientific evidence to support this. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a science, objective scientific basis to say that these people are actually dead. So what they're doing is they're hypothesizing, they're playing God, they're making assumptions, um, and there are a lot of motives which go into wanting to declare somebody dead. Some of it is, you know, the culture of death, which John Paul taught us a lot about, and we don't have to realize that the culture of death isn't just at the beginning of life, it's also at the end of end life. Of life euthanasia, right. You look at what Canada is doing with assisted suicide and mm-hmm. even euthanizing children in some cases. And now, um, you know, you have other motives as well. And, and the other motives can be, you know, it makes people uh, able to give certain organs, like the heart, that they wouldn't otherwise be able to give. So it can promote, even though uh, organ donation can be uh, a, a life-saving gift to a person, the, the ends don't justify the means that right. the person has to actually be dead. And so the, the problem that we have now is that uh, they just keep loosening the criteria, liberalizing it, liberalizing it, making it easier and easier. And there's a real concern that this is, this is uh, advancing the culture of death and this is not going to uh, protect vulnerable patients at the end of life. Talking with Michael Vaca, Director of Ministry of Bioethics and Membership Experience with the Christ Medicus Foundation. But who's behind this? There have to be different organizations pushing this. And also, the dollar is behind it because it's definitely a money thing. If you can kill people sooner, you can save money. I mean, let's just be honest with that, right? Right. Well, I mean, and we have to, we have to understand, too, that, that, you know, the business of organ donation is a multi-billion dollar business, right? And so mm-hmm. there's the financial incentives. The organ procurement organizations make a lot of money. There's a lot of financial incentives there. Uh, it's also the case that, um, you know, many times uh, there's a perception that there's such a thing as a life not worth living, which as Catholics and in the natural law we know is never the case, that human life is a gift from God, it's precious, and it's not the job of medical professionals, Teresa, to determine whose life is worth living. It's their job to provide medical expertise to try to preserve, to try to cure, to try to heal, to try to carry out, uh, you know, what our Lord does and the divine physician in the Gospels when he heals people. Um, that's really the role. And if they can't heal, they to be honest about that and they do what they can right. um, to mitigate pain and suffering. But we know that that suffering is redemptive, that our Lord ultimately is going to use it all for, for the good of souls, and that what we need to do is um, promote a culture of life uh, and make sure that every patient receives the appropriate care and nobody is hastily declared dead when they're still alive. Um, you know, if you have a beating heart, if you are evidencing signs of life, um, they shouldn't be declaring you dead. Right. Now, how much pressure, should I say, or influence does the Uniform Law Commission have on state laws? I think a lot of us probably wouldn't even realize that this organization is there having a lot of influence. Yeah. So what it is, is uh, it's advisory. So if they if they draft legislation, they propose it to the states. The states themselves have to adopt it. They could modify it. They could change it. Uh, so it. It is true they're not uh, 
you know, they're, they're just an advisory body. However, that being said, they carry a lot of weight because if the ULC, the Uniform Law Commission, adopts something, it gets proposed to the state legislatures. And many state legislatures, you know, that don't necessarily want to, you know, sort of speak, uh, uh, they don't want to do all the, the background work to investigate it. They will take what the Uniform Law Commission has said, and they will use that as their state law. It becomes the kind of default state law that a lot of states will adopt. Um, so what, they, what they're doing is uh, significant, and the fact they almost succeeded in it. Um, and shortly after they failed, the American, Academy, the American Academy of Neurology basically did exactly what they were trying to do legally, which is loosen the criteria for determining death. And specifically, Teresa, I'll, I'll tell you the specifics is it used to be that uh, you had to have under the, uh, under the uh, Uniform Determination of Death Act, which has been adopted in every single state, it used to be that you used to have uh, irreversible uh, damage to your brain, right? So your brain is, is not functioning and it's irreversible. It can't be reversed. Now they want to change it from irreversible to permanent. And that may sound to a lot of people like, well, what's the big deal? Isn't it the same thing? It's not the same thing because anything can become permanent if they decide not to treat it. Right. Irreversible means it can't be reversed. Right. Of course, we know that anything can be reversed by our Lord, so you have to wonder even that criteria. But, but, but the, the concept of it is that you can't be treated. In this case, they can just decide, you know what, we're not going to treat it. This patient is comatose. We don't think they'll have a good quality of life. And so we just decide not to treat the person. And that's, that's really playing God. That's really us making a, a decision about the quality of a person's life, which we have no business making. That, you know, that person should receive all the appropriate care until God is ready to take them home. So how many, in terms of the breakdown, because this organization, the ULC, is made up of judges, legislators, legislative staff, law professors, lawyers, in terms of the breakdown, do we know how many people, is there a balance there of, of, of pro-lifers? I mean, are, are, are people involved in this on any level? So, so we ha- the, reason why, uh, the reason why this measure to loosen the criteria for death failed is exactly because there were some wonderful pro-life faithful people, a minority, a very small minority within the ULC, that worked to defeat this measure, and they didn't have the votes necessary to do it this time. But as we know, Teresa, in the culture of death, right, if they don't succeed, they come back, they come back, they come back. So I think it's important that the people know that, you know, when people, most people hear about death, you know, they don't imagine that they're making it easier and easier to declare people dead, but that's exactly what's happening. So and what so can we do? Says, you know, discern the signs of the time. So I think right. one one thing is is to you know pray pray that you know human life would be respected from conception to natural death. But in the second place, um, really educate yourself and your loved ones. So you know, our Lord says in the Gospel, uh, "Be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents." Mm-hmm. And the Church tells us we have to discern the signs of the time. So. We need to be aware, for example, you know, this is a very basic example, but as an example, when people go to renew their driver's license, 
they often ask them, do you want to be an organ donor? What they don't tell you is that your heart may still be beating at the time that they extract your organ. Minor detail, right? Minor detail that they just Mm -hmm. just happen to to leave out. And a lot of people, you know, and then a lot of people think, oh, well, this is such a wonderful thing, and I'm saving somebody's life, and they appeal to their emotions, and they get the person all, you know, they get the heart on their license, and they think it's such a wonderful thing, and the person has no idea what they're signing up for. Right. They don't have informed consent. And people need to be aware. People need to, our eyes need to be opened as Christians to, not to be fearful because our Lord, you know, will protect us, but to be aware we live in a culture that doesn't respect human life. Right. We live amongst people who, you know, some of which are well-intentioned, some of which are not, but, but our obligation is to, is to see everything through the eyes of Christ. The Lord will protect us, but he also gave us brains and <laughs> and people right. like you and organizations like you to help protect us so we can we can be the Lord's hands and feet. We're talking with Michael Vada, Vaca, excuse me, with the Christ Medicus Foundation about some alarming news regarding the Uniform Law Commission. So is there anything pending right now? I mean, in terms of things that we should really should be concerned so about. They, 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 you know, one thing one thing to be aware of is that, um, you know, that will likely come back. This, this effort to loosen the criteria of death is not going away. It's going to continue to be prevalent. I think to really educate, you know, I want to encourage people to do is really educate themselves um, to understand. Um, doesn't mean you have to, you know, uh, you have to go into the, the medical journals or anything like that, but just to, just to understand there's some really clear explanations of what's going on, um, and just to understand in a very concise way that your life, your family's life, even if it doesn't affect you now, it could be impacted by this. And we want to make sure that people know that, you know, there is an attempt to promote euthanasia. We know this has been going on for a long time, but it's accelerating. And now that we have this, you know, Proposition 3 in Michigan. Oh, please, don't even uh, get me started. We understand that it's going to extend, right? It's not going to stop it. Oh. Michael, we're out of They're time. Give us a website real quick for the uh, Christ Medicus Foundation. So it's ChristMedicus.org, and then there's the Healthcare Civil Rights Task Force website as well, HealthcareCivilRightsTaskForce.org. Mike, God bless you for your work. Thanks. It was a very informative discussion. Scary but informative. Things we need to know. We'll be right back. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. 
I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak from More to Life. Would you like to have a better family life by Christmas? Join us Monday, December 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, for our free webinar, A More Peaceful Family by Christmas, A Catholic Parent's Guide to Advent. In Advent, we're called to make more room in our hearts and homes for Christ. Discover how the grace of Advent can help you celebrate the loving, faithful family life God wants for you. And it's free. Just register at catholichom webinar. That's catholichom webinar. See you there. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Thanks for listening to EWTN on a Tuesday, tomorrow and a Wednesday. We head back to Rome for our very own Joan Lewis. She'll fill us in on how the Holy Father is feeling after a little bout with the flu and then also his trip to an environmental summit coming up the next couple days. Talk to you on a Wednesday. Adamani. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.